This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is probably supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Whether taking a road trip to the beach, heading to the mountains, or driving to the city, summer adventures are nonstop fun in a new Honda. But let's face it, summer trips can really add up. That's why I love the fuel efficiency of Honda. With Honda, you can save your money for other things, like that awesome keychain at the convenience store, that brand new album you wanted, or whatever else your heart desires. New Hondas are arriving daily. See your local Honda dealer and start your summer adventures today. Welcome to College Talk. I am Russ Goldman. Joining me right now is Max Cohen. This is our post-match show of Fulham's 4-1 loss to Manchester United at Old Trafford. We have a lot to get through in this episode, but before I bring Max on, I just want to mention one thing to please check out at the very end of this episode, an interview from Emilio Danello that was on Love Sport Radio last night. We're recording this on Sunday. It is from Saturday night with James Sherwood and Chris Daly. They had Emilio on. He had some very interesting things to share, so please do listen to the episode after Max and I are done, and you're going to hear a very interesting interview from Emilio. So just want to mention that. All right, let's get into the show. Let me bring on my co-host. Max, how you doing? I'm doing all right, Russ. Um, it was it was, it was was quite a day yesterday for me, um, being at the New York City. Let's talk fest. about that a little yeah, bit. Tell sure. our audience about it. Yeah, so... Um, actually, the NBC Sports Network and the Premier League kind of did a, a, a joint event in New York City, right in the South Street Seaport, yesterday all day from started at six a.m. Honestly, went until four or five p.m. Um, and it's a real way to showcase the Premier League in the United States. I think there were three thousand fans total throughout the day coming through there, and there were live matches. Um, the NBC Sports Network team broadcast their show live from there. So Rebecca Lowe, Robbie Ural, Kyle Martino, Robbie Mesto, and also, of course, Alan Shearer was a yes. special guest. And yeah, the, you saw live matches. There was um, live music, food, uh, football, I mean, everything. It was a whole fan festival of sorts. And they reached out to Russ, actually, first to attend as a Fulham fan. Unfortunately, Russ couldn't make it, but Russ was really kind to forward along to me um, <laughs> through College Talk, and I was delighted to be there. I got a little press thing. Um, and yeah, it was, uh, there are two other Fulham fans there. 
at at the entire fest, which was, you know, a bit disappointing. I thought we had a bigger American film following. So me and two other film fans watched the Manu match uh, and the round, as you probably can expect, a lot of Glory Hunters, uh, Glory <laughs> Hunter Manu fans, around 200, 250, a lot of them, let's just say. Um, but yeah, that's how we watched the match on this big screen in New York City. And we were far outnumbered. But, you know, as I said on Twitter, we were the louder fans throughout. And we definitely knew a lot more about football than all of the Manu fans put together. <laughs> I would say. That's great, Max. I also want to mention that Max did these interviews with uh, three members of the NBC Sports Network team. So yeah. um, yes, we'll be sharing that this week. Just talk a little bit about that. Yeah, of course. And that was probably one of the highlights of the weekend, honestly, considering how poorly filmed it. Um, so, yeah, so on Friday afternoon, there was a media hour actually at the venue, but before it had been all set up. So I went there around 4 p.m. on Friday afternoon. It's just kind of sparse uh, place, Pier 17. And Robbie Musto, Robbie Earl, Rebecca Lowe, Colin Martino. Uh, if those of you are not familiar, so Rebecca Lowe is, used to be actually a BBC presenter. Yeah. Now the main presenter. I'd call her the face of, Ameri- of American soccer here. Because I totally agree with that. Knowledge of presenter. And I talked to her for around seven minutes about you know her youth, football in America, and also I talked to her about Fulham. And I really focused on Colin Martino um, and Robbie Earl, the ones I had the most time with, who are two, of course, ex-players. Uh, in England, Robbie Earl, most known for his time at Wimbledon, Robbie Musto, Middlesbrough legend, and asked him, you know, what, what do you think about Fulham? Um, what, do you, what do you think about Ranieri? And they gave me the thoughts on our season. Um, I asked him about Sessegno and Reem, Mitrovic, some important players for us, and gave some really interesting responses that you're going to hear in a separate episode later. Okay, very good. I look forward to um, sharing that with everyone. And, uh, that was great that you had that opportunity. I'm so glad that you were able to go, Max. It's uh, a great experience. I actually watched I obviously took a picture of you. I saw you, so that's always a good thing. But you represented us very well, so I'm glad that you were able to go, my friend. All right, let's get into this, my friend. We already did Cottage Talk full-time, and we were feeling pretty bad afterwards. Um, before I go to some quotes from Claudio, how do you feel today? I, I, feel, I feel better today, I think. We played all right in the second half. Um, played all right in the second half, but the first half performance is very worrying because that that was a step back. But I think we have enough in that second half. Positivity going, going forward in the season, but we need to address why did we play so passively and so weakly in the first half. Yeah, and we're going to talk about that in just a second. All right, I have some quotes from Claudio after the match. I got these quotes from OneFootball.com, which is a great place to go, so I highly recommend that. And I believe the quotes actually originate from BBC Sport. But I'm going to read these quotes, Max, because I think it's a great way to start our discussion in this post-match show. The article is actually entitled, The Wolves Ate the Lambs, Ranieri Accepts Man United's Mauling. So here are some quotes from Claudia. Quote, in the first half, it was 11 lambs against 11 wolves. The Wolves ate the lambs, Ranieri said to BBC Sport. The second half was much better, but I have to consider if that was because they were winning 3-0 or we made a good performance. We have to be stronger, more confident in our qualities. Without the strength, the power, it's difficult. Manchester United have everything, qualities, power. In the first half, we were shy. We were waiting. Why? Why were we waiting? Go play football. Then... If they score, it is normal. I want my team to play and fight for every single ball. In the second half, we did. 
Why we didn't in the first half, I need to speak with my players. The response in the second half was positive. We played with more intensity. We were hungry. Everything better than the first half. The first half was a warm-up, unquote. All right, Max, your thoughts on Claudio. The one thing that stands out to me, number one, is that he used the word shy. I'm going to use the word passive. And I think some of the foam players were intimidated playing at Manchester United. I'm a Patriots fan. I know this. When teams come to play at Gillette Stadium, sometimes the games are won before they even get off the bus. It's the intimidation factor. And I think maybe some of that was going on here. They should not be intimidated. When you go to Manchester United to Old Trafford, you have to believe in yourself. You have to believe that you can win the match. If you go in with a passive mentality, you're going to get beat and get beat bad. And I think the players need to just not give Manchester United so much respect and believe in themselves. That's what I got out of the quotes from Ranieri and also my own thoughts coming out of this match, my friend. Yeah, I think, you know, we can talk about Gillette Stadium. Maybe, maybe, um, it's, maybe it's different this year, but I think it's definitely different than Old Trafford because Old Trafford this year is there for the taking, Russ. Yep. Teams can go there and play. Crystal Palace got a point there. I Manchester totally agree. United also, it was there for no them. longer. It's no yep. longer the imposing place of yesterday, which I think makes your point even stronger, right? Because it, it makes the intimidation factor more inexplicable. It doesn't. It, it can't even explain it because they shouldn't have been intimidated. But actually, I, I'm going to take issue with Ranieri there. I think he kind of threw, threw his players under the bus, and in that situation, I think that's on almost on him and as a manager in some in some instances because he said, "I have to speak with my players." Why that happened? What were you doing for, for the whole run to the match? <laughs> what were you doing right before before they stepped on the pitch? Did they not know? Well, what was the game plan? And that's be I mean, that's worrying in a number of ways because either it could be he gave them the perfect game plan, right, and the players just didn't perform, which I think is the most worrying because that shows we have a real issue with the players at hand. Right. Or I think he might have given them the wrong game plan and said sit back, play counterattacking, and or maybe don't attack at all, and then maybe that's why it happened. So either way. We can both agree that first half performance is not acceptable, right. and I think a lot of there are a lot of individual performances that were that were terrible. Um, for me, I'm just going to go out there and say Sarian and Gisa, because those are two central midfielders who are key to the way we play. And if the central midfielders don't show up, don't care, it's going to look bad in the defense. It's going to make a ship goals. It's going to make the whole performance disjointed, and that's what we saw. Um, so Ranieri has to take a look and say. Was it because I didn't communicate the game plan effectively enough? Or was it because the players ignored me and didn't do their job? Either way, there are big problems, I think. Well, that's what he needs to do by talking to his players. I, I like that he said that. I know what you're saying. I don't know if in this instance he was throwing his players underneath the bus. I understand why you're saying that. I, I didn't get that feeling, Max. That's just me. I just think that he was trying to figure out exactly what went wrong. If the players were not reacting to his game plan, then that's on the players. So I think that's also why he needs to talk to them, make sure that there was not any miscommunication and get the point across because something changed in the second half and there was a completely different attitude. So that's why I have this feeling that potentially they were just giving Manchester United too much respect, Max. That's what I took out of this. And they were not aggressive enough. When you go there, you cannot be passive. They were not passive when they were at Stanford Bridge. So I don't get it. That's why I was disappointed by the approach. 
you have to give Manchester United credit. But I do think that a decent part of this goes on Fulham as well because they did not have the right mentality, it seems to me. I do have one more quote from Ranieri. I believe this comes from his press conference. Again, I got this from OneFootball.com. I just want to share this with you quickly. Quote, we showed what we need to do if we want to stay in the Premier League. I told my players the first half is to be relegated. The second half, we can survive. It's very clear our match today. We have to react. Think about it, and we have to have desire to be in the Premier League next season as nobody gives a gift. Okay. Max, your thoughts on that quote from Ranieri? For me, it just shows the difference between the halves, but also shows that if you have to have the right mentality or we could get relegated, who do you want to be? Do you want to be the team that played in the second half or do you want to be the team that played in the first half? I think that honestly, that's like what a lot of fans are saying after the match. I think that's what one of our conversations really on the full-time show was first half relegation, second half will be okay. Yeah. So I, I think he hit exactly. it right in the head. Um, but he backs I mean, that up, Ranieri. When are we going to get a 90 minute performance? I, I, I don't know. We need a 90 minute performance. We haven't had one all season long. We desperately need one. When we see a match through from the first whistle to the final whistle, it's looking like a tough ask, but that's what we need in these upcoming home matches for us. We can't just have a first half, second half, no. right? We need a full, complete winning performance if we want to stay in the league. Totally agree, my friend. All right. Let's get into it. Let's talk about the starting 11 and the 18 overall. For me, the uh, biggest thing that stood out for me was no Callum Chambers. And uh, we've now learned, again, the information's coming out now, and I believe Ranieri talked about it, that there was a slight injury to Callum Chambers. That's why he was not included, did not make the trip. And uh, that is uh, a little worrying. But for me, Max, when I looked at the starting 11 and did not see Chambers in it. I was a little bit fearful. So that was the one thing that stood out for me. How about you? Yeah, because he has been our best player. One thing, another thing I was worried about with the starting 11 was no Christie and a doorway right back. Correct. Because our defense had looked much better with the back four of Mawson, Adoy, Christie, Lamarchand. Um, and of course, Lamarchand came out because of injury. I, I, that's my guess. So I don't, and I think Brian played fine. I think that's that's an okay substitution. Yeah, but I thought I, he was I, fine. I don't. I know Adoy is primarily right back. I'd say before he came to Fulham or went at the beginning stage of Fulham, that was his favorite position. But I think now he's better suited to play center back in, in the Premier League. Honestly, I think he's more mistake prone right back when you're more often isolated one on one against players. We saw that really 15, 10 minutes in when Ashley Young put it right through his legs. He offered no resistance, and they go one up with a very soft goal to concede. And I'll be honest, I think it's insane I'm saying this, but I think Cyrus Christie would have done a better job. We saw him do a better job and Hazard at a at Stanford Bridge just two yeah. weeks ago. So that, that was strange for me, and I think that might have been, honestly, Renier just t- changing around because I don't really know why he would have done that. I don't think there are any injuries far from LaMarche on it would have forced Adoy to move out and Reem to move uh, in the place of Adoy in center back. What's interesting about that, and, and again, we saw that at the end of the last match against Leicester City. Was he trying to think, okay, for continuity's sake, let's continue how we ended against Leicester City with those players? That's that's a great point, actually, because um, that that is how the back four ended against Leicester City. But yeah, I I, I, I don't think I'm I don't agree with it. I'm just saying maybe yeah. that's yeah. what he was thinking. Yeah. That's continuity. Um, 
and that's and that's Tinkerman maybe coming up again when we need. But that's yeah. So that's less continuity in, in my mind. But maybe Claudio <laughs> Ranieri right. did differently because he is Tinkerman. So he his idea of continuity is very different from ours. <laughs> sure, not very good there, my friend. All right, all right. Let's get into this again. The first half was painful. I think we're both in agreement. So we're going to go through the goals. Unfortunately, we have to go right there. Let's go to the goal in the 13th minute from Ashley Young. And this is extremely disappointing to give up this goal. So walk us through what you saw here, my friend. Fulham go down very early. Yeah, I think it was played out to Young on, on United's left wing, and, and Adoyce kind of squares up to him. And there's kind of a murmur of discontent. I don't remember, I knew it three of us, but all three Fulham fans were like, because we, we talked about Adorn, and we know he has that capability to make a really horrendous mistake. And we just thought, just don't do anything stupid here. And when Ash, it's, it's, not an, it's not an amazing move. It's not a brilliant piece of skill. It's just kind of a hopeful poke. But he just kind of gets muscles out of the way. The door is out, out of the picture. And, and Young is in the box, kind of unimpeded, and, and puts a shot. It's a decent strike. But here, I feel Rico should, probably should do better. Okay. It's, it's, it's well struck, but it's not completely in that far corner. And the thing for me, he doesn't even die for it. He doesn't even make an attempt. So maybe he's, he's shielded by another defender, but for me, it was just a very soft goal to concede considering I think United had dominated possession, sure, up to that point, but they hadn't really threatened very much until the goal. Right. Okay, very good. Then a little bit later in the 20th minute, I believe we have a shot by Alexander Mitrovic. Then we have to go right to the second goal. And this is a goal from Mata in the 28th minute. Again, very disappointing to give up the second goal. Very easy, Max. Your thoughts? This is disgraceful from Saria Nagisa. Mata breezes into that 18-yard box completely unmarked without a film defender tracking back at all. And there's a picture, particularly damning, a video, sorry, on Twitter. I don't know if you've seen this or anyone else has seen this, but it's of Seri seeing Mata's run and continuing his jog at the exact same pace and making absolutely no effort to track him back. And Nagisa is completely out of the picture too. So when both of your center midfielders in that, in that forward to throw information completely neglect the defensive duties. That's what happens. And that's an inexcusable lack of desire, lack of awareness, and, and, and lack of fight. And I don't think that can be uh, acceptable at all. I don't think, I'd rather have even see saying there than those two players who have shown no desire and, 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 and no will to fight for the cause. And this is just a case in point of their defensive duties just completely going to waste. And it's sorry, the exact same thing happened against Leicester for Madison's goal. He's nowhere to be seen tracking back on a cutback and, and the opposite yep. midfielder stroking home. Different goals, but very similar way in the way they were scored because their center midfielders don't know how to cover. And that's unacceptable in the Premier League. You're going to get punished for it. And we did, my friend. Very interesting. I just want to mention, I'm glad that you brought up Cissé because uh, Giannis talked about him in the full-time show. He actually thought he played decent in the second half. He seemed to uh, at least know what he was doing in the second half. And uh, we'll obviously uh, talk about the second half in just a bit. All right, my friend, at that point, it's 2-0. It's looking bleak. And uh, let's just say in the 38th minute, you have a save from Rico on a Rashford shot. So trying to hang in there. But then they get the killer third goal in the 42nd minute by Lukaku. Talk about this. And again, another poor goal. This is, this is just a disaster. What I would say, I do think Matza's offside here. I, I, think, I, I thought think... so too, by the way. I'm glad yeah. that you said that. In the grand scheme of things, did it matter? unclear. I think we probably would, still would have lost, but hey, if this goal doesn't go in, then when Kamara scores, it's 2-1, and that's a completely different story. But you yeah. know, maybe Nagisa still 
get sent off, so we don't know. Um, but I think he's offside, but at the same time, it's just uh, – We don't get those calls, Max. The big teams yeah, get those calls. Exactly. It's, it's all traffic we would expect. But yeah. at the same time, this is just a disaster. I mean, we just don't look organized in this goal because it's it's kind of a cutback from a set piece. Yep. Kamara – and the reason oh, I think we kind of struggle is because it was from a set piece. So if you look at it, Mitrovic is actually the closest player to Lukaku when he kind of taps in. So we didn't really get set. We still have attacking players back trying to defend the set piece. And we're just at six of the sevens. We just don't look organized. And that's one of the more worrying things because they caught us in transition. And it was really – nothing was too special about this goal for us. It was fairly no. simple. But we just could simple. not deal with it. And we looked kind of, uh, kind of, kind of a shambles, honestly. That, that's the only way to put it. Totally agree. And that's what's so disappointing about these goals here, that um, I thought we started to show improvement under Ranieri in these goals were just uh, unacceptable to give up. And I'm glad that you brought up Mata being offside. I thought he was offside. Regardless of that, you need to be doing better. So that's on phone. They're going to get those calls at Old Trafford, okay? If it's close, it's going to go to them. So you have to be prepared. You have to be able to have complete concentration, and they just don't. And in this match in the first half, it was just horrible. And uh, this, to me, is just another example of it. And Fulham are now down 3-0 at the half. I'll be honest with you, the match is over in my mind, Max. I cannot see a way back. That's just what was going through my mind at halftime. How about you? Yeah, I mean, it was just – the issue thing is, of course, you're not, you're not 3-0. The game is, is, is over, basically. But I honestly didn't feel like we were totally out of it just because it was United Old Trafford. I just had a feeling if we got a goal and we got them nervous, we could have a go because it wasn't even that we, they were playing amazing. That's what I said at halftime. It wasn't that they were blowing us out of the park. It wasn't that they were playing like a tie-winning side. It was that we had been so poor, you know? If we maybe rattle them, if we maybe grab a goal back, then the crowd could turn, then we could attack them, then they'd look fragile. Because I know this team is capable of giving up leads. It's not as capable of cracking against really, really poor sides. I saw what Newcastle did against them when they went up 2-0 in the first 10 minutes. I saw Palace go there and get a point, 0-0. I know this is not a world-beating team like they probably should be. So that's why I still had not confidence, but I I wasn't completely dejected. Okay, so Max is a little bit confident. I, I wasn't, but I understand where you're going on that. All right, let's talk about the substitutions. Going into the second half, Vieto and Kamara come on, and Mitro and Kearney go off. Now, at the time, I'm just thinking, okay, why is he taking off Mitrovic? But I want to focus more on the players that came on. I think Kamara came on for a specific reason. This goes back to not being shy, playing confident, having no fear. If there's one player that I know on film that, again, is the ball in the China shot that has no fear, it's Abubakar Kamara. So I understood why he brought on Kamara, because he was not going to be fearful of playing at Old Trafford. He was just, he goes all out whenever you see him. Like him or, or don't like him, this is who he is. He is all in. That's what he does. So I liked bringing on Kamara. Vieto has a little bit of that too. He has that aggressiveness. He He's been hot and cold this season, but I do see some of that aggressiveness as well. So looking back at it now, I do understand bringing these two players on because I think part of it had to do with how they play, the confidence level of their own abilities. Your thoughts? 
I think the Kamara substitution was one of the matches crying out for it, right? We just yep. needed him. I don't know why he didn't take out Sherla because he was terrible throughout. I don't know why he didn't take out Sarah Angisa. They were terrible throughout earlier on. Um, he could have saved Angisa from being sent off, honestly. Um, but I liked – it was a switch to a 4-4-2, which is why I think he made those changes. And, you know, Kamara got his goal. Fair play to him. He scored two goals in two games. I thought he played well. He was our most – he was a dangerous attacking threat. And what a composed penalty as well, where I know we're going to talk about yep. it later. But if you're coming on at halftime at Old Trafford and you score a goal, I think that's a, that's a great performance. And he's turning into a goal-scoring threat. So all, all the haters out there, you know, like you can't ignore two goals in two matches, okay? Um, I, thought, I thought Vieto did show some – a lot more uh, – he, he was in the match more today, and I thought he showed a lot more uh, aggressiveness, as you mentioned, and yes. also penetration. I think he likes playing centrally, so this is probably a more effective position for him up top. But uh, I think taking off Mitrovic and Kearney, two really tough ones. People have speculated the Mitrovic one was because he might have been one booking away from the suspension, so we really need to keep him – Keep him close. Don't want to get him suspended. Um, but I also think he wasn't really suited to, to the match. If you're isolated and Ranieri wants to play counterattacking, whatever, 4-4-2, Mitrich was, wasn't the one for that. And Kearney, that's tough. I think you could have taken out a lot of attacking players who are a lot worse than Tom Kearney was. But maybe this is a message to Kearney from Ranieri saying, listen, if you're not going to go and be up for the fight, then, then you're coming off. Okay, very good there, my friend. All right, let's now go into the second half. And uh, I said to you this off air because, again, the question is, did the second half performance for Fulham have more to do with Manchester United really not being engaged into the match? And I said, I actually think you can take a lot out of this because I think they were. And the first early stages of the second half kind of backed me up on this. You have saves from Rico on um, Rashford, and then um, Rico makes another save one minute later. So they came out with intent to get that fourth goal. So I don't know if I buy that the second half had more to do with Manchester United not being engaged. I think they were engaged. I just think Fulham were playing better. That's just my thoughts on that, my friend. And after those two opportunities for Manchester United early on in the second half, you actually have Andre Sherla, who had two as well, in the uh, 58th minute and the 61st minute. So I could see things changing a little bit. And things seem to be a lot more difficult on Manchester United in the beginning stages of the second half. That all leads up to what happens in the 66-minute max penalty. And um, Abubakar Kamara is taken down. Now, the um, announcer that we were listening to thought that this was a bad call. I'm paraphrasing, but, you know, thought that potentially the, um, the ref made a bad call here. I've watched this a few times. And, um, you know, and again, I have this thing with Kamara that he does have this ability to simulate, to, to flop. I don't know if he did here. What are, what are your thoughts? I think it's a penalty. He gets his ball, he gets his body in front of the, the ball and Herrera. Herrera kicks his standing foot first, causing him to fall down. And then he gets the ball on, 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 the, second, on the second go. I think that's a foul. You can't say he got the ball, but then kick out the opponent's standing leg have him fall over and say, oh, it's not a foul. That is a foul, not the penalty. Um, okay. And then Kamara deserves the penalty because his positioning there was correct. It forced Herrera to first get his body and then the ball because he put his put his body in the way, and he deserves credit for that, and he knew exactly what he was doing. Because I was actually screwing him to shoot earlier because I think he waited too long, but you know, I guess he was looking to draw the penalty, and he got it, and that's just smart play in my opinion. Okay, very good there, my friend. All right, so... 
Kamara scores, and now the match is 3-1. to one. And based on what I saw in the second half leading up to that, Max, I thought, okay, they're going to give it a go. W- was that what was going through your mind? Exactly. Me, me and other phone fans are really giving all the United fans stick. We are, we are shushing them, saying it's all going quiet over there. And literally, as soon as we finish like one of our second, third chances, 30, 40 seconds after kickoff, <laughs> and Geese is sent off. Yes. Okay. not think of a more boneheaded decision. But honestly, uh, we were joking. We said, this is actually better for us. He's been our worst player. He's off the pitch. Fair play to us. We'll play well now. <laughs> so we tried to make okay. a joke out of it. But in all, in all honesty, it killed the match as soon as we'd gotten oh, that into it. And I, and I really hope that's the last time we see Angisa play for, not forever, because I think he might have a future, but for a couple months, because he's not, he's not going to be one for us in this relegation dogfight. He's, he's not one Okay. Listen, I understand where you're going on that, but if we're going to talk about the second yellow for Angisa, I think this it's is a horrible call. I've watched this several it. times, Max. I think this is a horrible call. And I'm going to talk about what, what we see here in American sports. The, the game of hockey, NHL, they have what is known as makeup calls, okay, to try to even things out. I'm going to say it. I think this is a makeup call from the penalty. Um, yeah, I think. I mean, that, that might be true. If that is true, then that's completely uh, not even. I mean, because the setting off versus the goal is just not even close to being comparable, right? If no. You know, the ten men kill the match. I think, yeah, I think the referee, should, Lee Prober, should be ashamed of himself if that's what what he was doing. Um, I, I just I'm think not, it's what I call. I'm, I'm going to call an old, an old, an old it's traffic my theory, call. Okay, it's my theory. It's an old because, call. Okay, <laughs> we're, 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 the, we're the refs favor United. That, that that that's that's how I see it. Um, because you're right. He goes in. I think he goes in a, a little strongly, sure, but he gets the ball, and then. Rashford, I think if anything, Rashford fouls him. Rashford goes and jumps him and, and, and pushes him over. And and Gisa, to his credit, doesn't react at all. Walks away calmly, doesn't even acknowledge Rashford. Gisa was surprised that it was on him. Yeah, and it's it was a terrible decision. Um, and it, it cost us a game, anyways. Yeah, because like we said, after that, it's, you knew it was over. Have cracked. They were nervous. <laughs> They were still, there were still two goals down, and I could see the fans. They were nervous. They knew it was coming, because in in those opening minutes, that first half, the second half, yep. we were the most dangerous team, because they were they they were passive and and they were scared. And oh, they were. Defense, their defense is awful, Russ. It was Phil Jones, Smalling. They yep. took off Smalling, put on Rojo. They yep. had Diego Dallo. I thought he was Debbie. He was very good, but he's only twenty. Ash Young again. He's not a defender. If we could crack the back four, which we did on one opportunity. They were there yep. for the taking. I know. And, and that's what's the disappointing part of this. And, again, this is my theory just because I've seen this too many times in sports that uh, if uh, a referee sees, uh, you know, gets a lot of stick for a call, then the next time the other team has an opportunity that, that looks close, he's going to call it. And it happened, what, 30 seconds later it seemed like, and I've watched this several times. This is a horrible call. And if this was, say, in the NHL, we would be saying this is a makeup call, a makeup call for the penalty. I'm just throwing it out there. I'm not saying that that's exactly what he did there, but it just seemed that way to me. It's my theory there. All right. To your point, Max, Fulham still, even down a man, they were still pushing. You have the shot by Vieto in the 71st minute. Then you have Cisse coming on for sure. And, uh, Let's stop right here because, as we said earlier, do you think Cissé made a difference when he came on? Giannis thinks so. I actually think he did too. 
yeah, I, I think it's tough to say he made a difference because uh, by that point the match is over. But I right. thought he added he added more composure. I think more he did he did little things right. He looked like he belonged. How about that? Exactly. Whereas Angisa does little things wrong and does everything try to be too much. He was solid. Exactly. He's so solid. Now let me ask you a question, Russell. I honestly have no idea what the answer is. Maybe you do. Sure. Has Cisa ever played in the league match for Fulham? I know certainly this is a Premier League debut, but I can't remember him last season playing in the championship. Maybe he did. Do you, do you remember a league match? Yes, I do. It was actually last season played against Leeds United. Oh, yeah. In, um, in when Piazone broke his leg in that match? Yes. So it was last year. He, uh, yeah, I, so believe, I believe he played in that match. Uh, interesting. Yeah, I guess yeah, that must have been before the transfer window closed, so we we're still looking for him yeah. bring it well. I, and, and I honestly can't think of a match he played it between that and then, which is remarkable. So he is, I think, one of the most unlikely yeah, it was, it, it, to be the It was last season, and that, I think that was almost like the last time we saw him. Yeah? That's, yeah, wow. So for, that's just astounding, because I know, I know he's played in the League Cup this season, but for a player to have so yep. little first-team game time, I mean, we'd all kind of treat him as a joke, I think, in, 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 the, in the past years, because he just was signed, and this did not even play at all. And now from going to that to being on the Premier League pitch, I mean, selected I mean, ahead of Johansson, right? He could have brought in Johansson in that situation. They brought in Cissé. So how about that from some Ranieri Tinker man giving him the <laughs> Premier League debut? So who hasn't played in the Premier League? Because we got Cabano, we got Cissé. Who on our bench has not, has not made an appearance? I think we might have used many, many players I can't think of. Maybe yeah. youth team players, of course, but we give everyone a shot. We cannot be accused of sticking with one lineup. That's not full. <laughs> yeah. Uh, very good there, my friend. All right. Let's go on. And then um, we'll just mention this, uh, that Rico made a, a few more saves on Rashford and then on Lukaku. And then, unfortunately, in the 82nd minute, he gives up the goal by Rashford. And uh, I'm going to be critical here because this is a bad goal for him to give up. He should have done better here, Sergio Rico. Agreed. Um, in, in, in some ways, you can't. they're not exact goals, but it kind of reminds me of Ben Nellis goalie conceded against Lacazette against Arsenal because it's a long range effort that goes near post that the keeper should have wasn't ready for and, and, and let in a poor goal. Now, can you blame Rico at all for the performance on Saturday? Not at all. I thought he made a number of excellent saves, uh, one against Rashford also, and, and just throughout the match, I thought he saved probably two or three goals that would have gone in against other keepers. He saved them. So in the grand scheme of things, he, he had, I think he had two mistakes, but he also made two or three excellent saves. So that kind of cancels that in my mind. And he's not the reason we lost. Without him, no, it could have been worse. No, he's definitely not. I, but I he, did, he did make errors, and, and, and that is you have to bring it up because it's true. It's true, Max, but if you look at the grand scheme of that match, without him, I think we lose 5-6 to 1 easily. So I think he made some very important saves. He's, he wasn't the problem with that match. He did make some mistakes, like you said, some errors, but he wasn't the problem. It was the approach in the first half that I keep going back to. That was the issue. And, Max, the match ends at 4-1, to one and that's, you know, and again, that's a convincing win for Manchester United. But when I look back at this, it, this is a classic match where it really is about the two halves. And it goes back to those comments from Ranieri. And I was looking just for something to take out of this, positive. And I'm going to take out the approach in the second half, the way the team played, and, you know, think that, okay, they had the right idea in the second half. The first half, they didn't. And they need to 
analyze why they came out with that approach and fix it moving forward. I'm talking about Ranieri, his staff, and the players. They need to analyze this match so it does not happen again. There's no reason why they can go to Old Trafford with the approach that they had. They gave him too much respect. That's my thoughts on that. But I came out of this. Now, we're talking almost a day later, my friend, thinking what Ranieri said. If they play like they did in the first half, they're going to get relegated. However, if they show the intent in the second half, they will survive. I agree with that, Max. I think it's a great way to basically look at the entire season moving forward. Play like you did in the second half. Don't play like you did in the first half. Exactly. But the the one thing for me, Russ, is that I think under Ranieri, we've operated under an assumption of uh, progression, right? Yeah. Southampton match was good. Chelsea match was encouraging. Leicester match was good, right? And all three matches, I think we've seen improvements from Salisa. The reason why yesterday was so concerning for me, it was the first time we saw regression. It was the first time we saw a return to terrible performances that we've seen from Salisa, which for me indicates hold up, maybe this isn't a manager problem. Maybe the problem is truly rotten with the players, which is one thing that we all fear because that's one thing you can't control, right? You can change a manager as much as you want, but although you can spend in January, you have the same core of players, right? right. So that's, that's what's concerning. That's why I think the relegation comments kind of resurfaced again yesterday yes. because that performance is so poor, so abject, that it makes you wonder, can any manager change this? You know, I think we saw in the second half that they can, but right. it still shows seeds of doubt that we really cannot be capable of producing those really bad performances in, 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 in December. This is a point where they need to change and change for good. We can't afford to go back to those terrible Oh, I totally agree. But for me, coming out of this, basically, I think the players, the coaching staff, and obviously Ranieri have to look at it. Who do you want to be? Do you want to be that team in the first half, or do you want to be the team in the second half? Because they can be the team in the second half. That's why I'm taking this glass half full attitude coming out of this match because I know the potentials there, but I also see the bad habits from earlier in the season in the first half. They need to cut that out. They need to believe in themselves because for me, there was a lack of belief in the first half. The second half, you saw the belief and that to me is encouraging coming out of this. Uh, That's why, you know, my glass half full spirit is in full force. My friend, I think that this can be another wake-up call. We're going to find out a lot in this West Ham match, what team they are. And these matches coming up are going to be extremely telling because all four opponents coming up in these next four matches, they're all winnable, even going up to Newcastle. You're going to learn a lot about Fulham Football Club and the direction that they're going. Mike Gregg actually tweeted something out just talking about that, that these next four matches – I'm paraphrasing, I don't have the tweet in front of me. You're going to learn a lot, and I totally agree with Mike on that. All right, quickly, my friend, let's go to stats, and here are the stats from this match. Possession, 63% to 37% in favor of Manchester United. Total shots, 20 to 10 in favor of Manchester United. On target, 11 to 4 in favor of Manchester United. Corners, 10 to 3 in favor of Manchester United. Crosses, 25 to 14 in favor of Manchester United. Let's go to attacking passes, because I always like this as an indicator. 252 for Manchester United, 164 for Fulham. That's interesting. Passing accuracy, Manchester United were at 86% max. Here's an interesting one. 
Fulmer at 76%, which is better than where they've been in a while, my friend. And finally, Fowles, 11 for Manchester United and 15 for Fulham. Okay, what do the full-time stats tell you? Yeah, I mean, it, it is kind of that typical way home performance, right? We, we did have – we were kind of best in every single stat up there, but the passing actually was – you're right, that was an improvement, which is interesting. You wouldn't expect that in a way match when you had 10 men for around half an hour. Um, but the United passing actually was very high as well, and that kind of shows to yes. me that we weren't putting enough pressure on them. No. That's the big takeaway I have. And, of course, they outshot us, more shots on target. That's expected. They were dominant for most of the match. So, okay. yeah, that, that, that's a 4-1 loss. You know, that's, that's what the stats look like. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> All right. It's hard to look at man of the match. You know, I generally don't like doing it when, when a team loses like, like this, but I think it's an interesting question. Do you have a man of the match? I mean, could, could you say Rico? I mean, he made the two errors for me, so I don't think that's uh, applicable. I would say either Kamara or Cisse. <laughs> Kamara got us the goal. Very, very well taken penalty. Very composed. Yep. So I'll, I'll give him credit for that. And Cisse came on and got his friendly debut and, and steadied the ship. So those are my two candidates. <laughs> okay, very good there, my friend. All right. Let's give a rating for Claudio Ranieri from 1 to 10. I'm curious your view on this because – you can look at this many ways. I'm just thinking out loud as you get ready for your rating here. If you look at the first half, you could rate him very low. But he made adjustments in the second half that, again, saw a better performance. So where do you put Claudio Ranieri in this match for a rating? Four. Okay. Say four. Um, first half wasn't good enough. I think that's squarely with him. I think if he says be aggressive, play that aggressive, attack them, then we play differently. I think he said, listen, keep it nil-nil for as long as you can. Sit back, defend. And we were not attacking. And I think that has to lie with the manager because I can't imagine, after anyone who watched anything about Manchester United this season and then seeing how Newcastle played there, seeing how Southampton played against them just last week, would have known you attack United. So for him, either way, that's a, that's, that's a flaw in Ranieri. And then second half made the adjustments, which I say were necessary, but at least 4-1, I don't think you can give the manager much credit. So I'm going to say 4 Okay, very good. Great show, my friend. Again, it's always difficult to do a post-match show after such a bad loss, but I always feel better afterwards. Do you feel better now? I, I do. I do, Russ. I always feel better. And in, in this instance, you know, we were never going to win against Manchester United anyway. We no. might have gotten the draw, but, I mean, other teams have gone there and played decently, but it's always going to be a difficult team to play against. And as we said earlier, this is not going to determine whether we stay up or not. The result's not going to determine it. The reason I think we this match is important is because of the performance. That's what we focus on. But the result, I think, was probably already a foregone conclusion. Okay, excellent there, my friend. All right. Before we wrap this up, I want to mention to please do continue to listen to this episode of College Talk as you will hear an, an interview from Love Sport Radio with Emilio Donnell. James Sherwood and Chris Daly interviewed him after the match Saturday night. So please do continue to listen. All right, Max. It's been a great show, but it is time to go. So we will be back very soon. And now listen to the interview with Emilio Danella. We are going to head over now to the phones uh, and talk about that Manchester United 4-1 win against Fulham. But look at it from a cottager's perspective. Uh, we have Emilio Del Nello on the line from the Cottage Talk podcast. Emilio, hello. Hello, guys. How are you doing? Very good. That's a cosmopolitan name to come out of the King's Road. I like it very much uh, like it should be, but uh, you sound not, quite not, disheartened. Um, 
I wouldn't say disheartening. Who would expect us to have gone to Old Trafford and get anything from the game? I, I predicted we'd lose by a two or three goal margin, but I think the man of the defeat, especially that first half performance today, is really unacceptable. You know, like Ranieri said, it was men against boys really today, and um, Man United weren't even at their best. That's well, you, a worry for me. Well, you're saying like you didn't expect to get anything. Does something have to change? You've had a new manager come in, but what I mean is, what's going on with the back four? You have to stop conceding so many goals. We've said 40 goals conceded in just 16 games. That is, that's absolutely yeah. relegation. I also don't think there's enough protection from the midfield as well. I think the defence are getting a hard... Yes, we haven't got the best defence in the world. Those, those statistics tell the story, but our midfield needs to do more protect. Need to protect that back four better and... There's been a slight tinkering today, Timmering going back into central defence, which surprised me to be honest. And you know, but, but you, we can't make basic, you know, basic elementary mistakes. You know, Odoi should have been stronger with the Ashley Young goal, and you know, Matter's goal was well worked out. But it's straightforward. It was you know, schoolboys against men, and that's that's what worries me. And I'm not sure what the answer is. I think we've got to get a couple, couple loan signings in in January, you know, to strengthen that central defence and get a bit more. A bit more pace in midfield. I just think, I just think we're a little bit too slow at times. Very passive. I said, said this on the show last week. It's a bit lethargic. So talking I worry about where the goals are coming from as well. And that's why that's another worry for me. I don't think we've got enough cutting edge through the middle to create enough chances for Mitrovic and and for the other rest of the team. That's my worry. So, so you can see for fun at the back where are the goals coming from as well. As a fan. Have you identified any players that you would like to see come in to Fulham? You're talking about loan signings coming in. Is there anybody that you're thinking, right, yeah, him? Um, I think defensively, you know, people may disagree, but Gary Cahill, everyone says he's passed it, but he may be passed it for Chelsea, but he can come and lead from the back. He's, you know, he's been a good captain, an international experienced player. He would add a lot more discipline, strength and experience in that back four. And I think that's the type of leader we need at the back. Someone who will talk to his back four will will mentor the back four. That you know that will tighten the defence. I think Ranieri will have a few other cards up his sleeve. He may go back to his Leicester former Leicester colleagues to maybe to strengthen the midfield as well. But we need a, I think we need another striker. I think I think Mitrovic at times you know runs around, does well, does as best as he can do with limited service. But he's not necessarily going to get all the goals we need. We need other players to score goals within the team. Without Mitrovic's goals, where are they coming from as well? And that just worries me. So, so I suspect the board will invest in January. They'll believe in Claudio Ranieri. They may just made a decision, and it's for better for worse. Because at this rate, they don't win two of their next three home games this month. Then it's looking a bit perilous to say the least. Because we've got six back-to-back home games in February and March, arguably against the top seven teams, all back-to-back at home. So it's yeah, uh, that's tricky. You need to start beating the teams around you. You need to beat these teams around us. And this month is, will be the deciding factor. Beat two of the Three, three home games, West Ham, Huddersfield and Wolves, and they might be lighted in the tunnel, but if you don't win any of those three games, then it's, it's looking very perilous. Yeah, so I wanted to talk to you a little bit about, you. we've talked about um, you know the players who might come in. I wanted to talk about one of the players who has come in, and Gisa came in in the summer for <laughs> uh, for 30 million, club record fee. I haven't seen him be good. Am I missing something? Am I not watching Fulham enough? He was sent off today. Uh, is he that problem in, in the kind of covering the defence? He was, he's been awful, to say the least. He has been injured for the last few games, so I'm going to cut him a bit of slack. Or maybe the, maybe we did actually look better without him because Chambers actually did a fairly good job against Chelsea a couple of weeks ago. Um, he played in that position against Leicester midweek. So, you know, I, I, you know, Chambers, I believe, was injured. We're not, we haven't got clarity around that. But Anguissa just looks like a headless chicken running around, 
labouring. He got two yellow cards today. I think the second one was unfair. I, don't, I think that should be rescinded. But nonetheless, I'm not sure what he's offering to the team. He's not, not stepped up to the pace of this division. Looks like a lanky central midfielder, offering very, very little. Not, neither defensive cover, nor any offensive, you know, movement and one time he's just giving the ball away far too cheaply for me and you know fans are on his back and I, I think they want him sent back to France as soon as possible to be totally honest it's he's offering very little I've not seen anything that he's that I've seen from him that gives me any inspiration or any confidence that he will be a, you know a regular starting 11. Was today's result more about Fulham being terrible or did Man United look okay? First half, the latter. Uh, I, thought, I thought Man United were not okay. I thought they're very average. I think Man United have still got some problems. That's for them to worry about. But first half, we just we just no man's land. We were just second best throughout, and you know, calling us, you know, what did he say? Is Renier men against boys? It just called lambs against wolves. That's what it felt like today. But second half, better. He made a couple changes. We looked more organised. We made Man United work harder that second half, and that's what more. If we see more of the last forty-five minutes in future games, then we should be fine. But if we continue to defend like we did in the first half, then you know, it's not looking good. But Man United, I don't think we're at their best, yet they're still 1-4-1. Uh, now, someone who wasn't at his best uh, for Fulham, well, a few players weren't, but uh, Sergio Rico <laughs> didn't, have a, didn't have a fantastic game. You've mm. played three goalkeepers at, at various points mm. this season. Are you convinced that Rico is the one to take you forward? I hope this is just a one-off. You know, that last goal in particular, you know, he was very, very poor and he could have been better than a couple of the others. But he's been man of the match, I think, two of the last three games, which tells a statistic in its own right that you have to rely on your goalkeeper to, to keep you in games against Southampton a couple of weeks before we beat them 3-2. Um, and also um, against Leicester City midweek. So but I think he's, he is the finished article compared to the other two keepers. Bettinelli, I know he's extended his contract, but... You know, I feel more comfortable when Rico is is in goal. He's come with a good track record in Spain, and I think he leads more comedy from that. Yes, it was not some bad mistakes today, but we played at Old Trafford. Let's see how well he can do in the next few games at home. Nothing, but I think fans won't be rating just because he maybe maybe made a couple of sloppy mistakes today. Yeah. Yeah. There's no doubt in the. I think key to this Fulham team is balance. That it just seems completely off in the starting eleven. Whoever is playing currently. It's going to be a huge game, the next one, at home to West Ham, uh, who themselves have, have been looking for balance but seem in the last couple of weeks to have found mm. it. Um, where's that balance coming from, from a Fulham perspective? What lineup would you like to see against West Ham? I'd like to see the lineup we probably had against, uh, against Leicester City midweek. I want like to see Chambers. I was berating Chambers when he was playing in defence during the season. He looked, he looked awful, but... He's <clears throat> seems to have found his niche in that in that central midfield role and does a job. Today I think we missed him. And Gisa came in back from injury and just we just looked terrible. So I'd like to see a similar lineup to the one we had against Leicester City. A bit of width, but we seem a bit too passive midfield, and that's my that's my worry because we're not creating anything of of note. Mitrovic sometimes feels a bit lost up there and you know, I'm, I'm some Fulham fans are also thinking Mitrovic, yes, he works hard, wins a few headers, you know, gets the goals here and there, but at times he feels a little bit lost like he was at Newcastle United, not getting any service and not knowing where the goals are going to come from. But we need to play, we need to step up the tempo, you know, keep it tight at the back, get some central, get some central midfield reinforcements in January. And hopefully we can play with a bit more pace, a bit more, you know, a bit more forward, go forward a little bit more. I just worry that we haven't got enough. Um, Tom Kenny came up at half time again, not having the best first half. Don't think he's 100% fit. 
you know, people, people are disagreeing with me. I, he doesn't seem to be a fit Tom Kearney. He's struggling. He's slow, lethargic, and at times not, you know, not not really offering much to the, the balance of the team. So to your point, should Tom Kearney be starting each game? I, don't, I honestly don't know what the answer is. To be honest, guys. Because well, whatever whatever solutions we're putting in, whatever changes we're making, isn't doesn't seem to be doing the trick. But let's not forget. We've gone to Liverpool away, Chelsea away, Man United away, pretty much in successful away games. It's the home games that we need to be winning, and they're the games of the teams around us. That's 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 what will make the difference. Emilio, we lose to Man United or Chelsea. It's it's the man of the defeat. I think it's more important. Yeah, Emilio, it's been a pleasure. Uh, of course, like you, we will be watching the evolution of Fulham under Claudio Ranieri. Hopefully, he can pull them off for the bottom of the Premier League table. Only nine points uh, gathered in 16 Premier League games so far for Fulham. And the biggest problem, 40 goals conceded in those 16 games. You listen to The Score, James Sherwood and Chris Daly. Whether taking a road trip to the beach, heading to the mountains, or driving to the city, summer adventures are nonstop fun in a new Honda. But let's face it, summer trips can really add up. That's why I love the fuel efficiency of Honda. With Honda, you can save your money for other things, like that awesome keychain at the convenience store, that brand new album you wanted, or whatever else your heart desires. New Hondas are arriving daily. See your local Honda dealer and start your summer adventures today. It's the 90th minute, and all to play for at the end of the match. All your mates are around. You've got your McDougat share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? I know I'm in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.